Welcome to the Michelob Ultra Golf Show with Jeff Kolpak on 740 The Fan and 107.3 FM. That's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. The Golf Show is presented to you by Michelob Ultra. Also brought to you in part by Fargo Park District Public Golf Courses, Barnesville Grocery, Moorhead Parks, Forest Hills Golf Course, and Wildflower Golf. Here it comes. Oh, my goodness. seen anything like that now let's head to the first tee this guy's pretty good and here's your host jeff kolpak yes don't blink but uh <laughs> we're getting toward the end of july already unbelievable that's the way the summer goes good morning this is jeff kolpak this is the golf show on 740 the fan 107.3 fm 740thefan.com on the web address the show brought to you by Michelob alter always coming to you from the gunnerson jewelers studio like I said, we're heading toward July here, and I hope everybody's getting out. It's uh, The course is in great shape. Lots happening, and lots of news going on, too. And we're going to segue that thought into our first guest. Chris Croach has been named a new head women's golf coach at the University of North Dakota. Chris, kind enough to take a few minutes to join us on the golf show. Good morning, Chris. Good. How are you, Jeff? Good. Well, congratulations. How does that sound, being a, being a head coach? Um. Uh, very exciting is how it sounds, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and and like I got a lot to do ahead of me here. So okay, um, but I'm very very excited to be back at uh, uh, the University of North Dakota where I played my college golf and Grand Forks where where I grew up. Yep. So give give the listeners a sense of what you've done since the uh, your playing days and and now returning back to the alma mater. So uh, let's set that up first. Yeah, so, you know, graduating college, moved to Fargo and started to work at uh, Moorhead Country Club with Larry Murphy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was just a, uh, again, a wonderful experience. And um, Don't even know, I mean, right place, right time to have an opportunity to work with a guy like Larry, uh, who's, you know, resume speaks for itself, mm-hmm. you know, Hall of Fame uh, a caliber golf professional in Minnesota uh, is just incredible. You know, from there, uh, you know, spent uh, a good majority of my time at uh, Fargo Country Club working with Mark Johnson. Um, and again, just another, you know, wonderful experience. Uh, Fargo Country Club was always great to me. Um, and, you know, from there, uh, spent a couple years working with Matt Cook at Rose Creek. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the whole time, uh, you know, I've been always been an active player uh, throughout my career, uh, but also loved teaching and coaching. Um, you know, and that was kind of my background. You know, I graduated right. UND with a high school and middle school social studies degree. And my, my original plan was going to be to, um, you know, teach. Mm-hmm. And then work at a golf course in the summers, and that kind of grew into me becoming a PGA golf professional. So, how have you honed your teaching skills over the years? What have you learned? What have you learned about the swing and and how detailed it gets? Because uh, you're regarded as uh, one of the great teachers of the swing around the area. So, how have you honed those skills? Yeah, you know, so uh, you know, my 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 biggest philosophy that I've always had is 
um, education, right. Mm -hmm. And learning from others. So when I really started to get avidly active in teaching and coaching, um, the, the biggest thing for my career was learning from others. Um, and I, I really had, uh, you know, the opportunity and, and being a PGA member kind of allows us opportunities mm-hmm. that, um, you know, other coaches might not have access to, you know, through whether it's the PGA teaching and coaching summit or, um, things like that, that go on like throughout the year. Um, now I kind of took that a little farther, mm-hmm. um, and actively started seeking out some coaches around the country. Um, and have actually had an opportunity to work with some coaches who coach worldwide. And these coaches are coaches that um, primarily coach players at a high level on the PGA Tour. Um, and I, I just I cannot even thank those guys enough for giving me the opportunity to learn from them because it has um, uh, been such a unique opportunity, one, to be able to you know, travel around the country to get to spend time with these guys. Mm-hmm. Um, but the knowledge that I've gained from uh, them is just invaluable. So That's awesome. Chris Croach is a guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show coming to you from Gunnarsson Jewelers Studio. Well, you're going to be in the same building as a UND Hall of Famer and the men's coach in Todd Schaefer. What's that going to be like? Uh, you know what? I, I could not be more excited to be um, partnering with Todd on this. Uh, Todd has been a great friend of mine, you know, again, Grand Forks, uh, connection. Um, I've known Todd for 30 plus years probably. Mm -hmm. And, um, just the conversations that he and I have had recently have been just like great. And the the passion that he has for UND Mm -hmm. and, and UND athletics and UND men's golf is, is incredible. Um, and, now you got two guys that are passionate about it. So. Right, right. What was it about the college game and coaching that led you to get into this uh, this next step in your career? Well, um, you know, I've I've kind of don't know the right word for it. Um, dabbled in college coaching a little bit. You mm-hmm. know, I was the interim men's coach at UND for uh, the spring semester. Um, 10, 12 years ago, yep. I suppose. Um, and, and then Coach Oak Grove for three years, I believe it was. Mm-hmm. Um, then even in that time, I kind of volunteered assistant coach with Matt Johnson. Um, and now right. the last two years, I have just spent my time solely with Matt um, and the women's team at NDSU. Um, and I, I've kind of known for a long time now um, that that's the direction that I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Um and, you know, when, when the opportunity came up at my alma mater, mm-hmm. um, I jumped on it and not sure if it was going to work, you know, one, from a family perspective, mm-hmm. I kids at home and my wife's very busy, but also there might be someone who's better than me. Um, right. And here I am. Great. So, That's awesome. And when you, have you, are you going to tap into Matt or what did you learn from Matt's program? Because he took that program and certainly brought it to higher levels. Of course, it helps having a player like Amy Olson or Amy Anderson back in, in the college day. But what did you, what are you going to, are you going to take something from Matt's program and apply it to your philosophy, Chris? 
Yeah, you know, so Matt's been coaching for a lot of years. Um, he's, he's very respected in the Summit League, um, but amongst all the other coaches that uh, coach alongside him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's, it's really been um, enlightening to spend the last couple of years with Matt because he's, he's very aware of uh, team dynamics, I'll call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and how to work with, uh, each individual player. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's a tricky thing to navigate because, you know, we're, we're not just dealing with student athletes. We're also dealing with students. Um, and, and they have to be able to, uh, balance school, athletics, yep. Yep. a social life. Um, and, and everything that, that comes with that, um, and, and Matt is, is very, very good at that in my opinion. So, um, so I, I definitely want to take the things that I've learned from Matt, um, in those respects and apply them to what I'm doing because our student athletes are number one. Yep. The word that, yeah, the word that comes to mind and obviously it's used a lot and, and I hear it so much in, in NDSU athletics, but it's true. And it works, and that's the word culture. And so how important is that for you in establishing your team uh, chemistry, I guess? It's huge, right? I mean, when, when I started preparing for this, I created a plan, and I have all of my stuff written out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, number one on my list is team culture. Um, and to me, team culture, there's a lot of things that it can mean. It can mean different things to different people. So this is just what it means for me, yeah. is, is building relationships, mm-hmm. right? And my relationship with the student athlete um, and making sure that they're taken care of is number one. And I believe that if, if I do that, that yep. not only are they going to be able to perform on the golf course, but they're also going to be able to perform in the classroom. And, and ultimately that's, that's helping them, you know, develop them as a person and a good citizen. And, and by the time their time is done, you know, their eligibility is up at school. They're going to be able to go out into the real world and use the experiences they've learned from their college athletic experience mm-hmm. um, to become great citizens. I mean, that's, that's what it's about. Yeah. So, and would the ultimate compliment be in, I don't know, seven, eight, nine, ten years where you read something where some ex-player goes, you know what, I really learned a lot under Coach Croach at UND. I, I really grew there. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I, I love to listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I listen to a lot of podcasts with uh, coaching in mind, I'll call it. Um, one of the, the, the commonalities that I hear amongst, you know, coaches of varying disciplines, right? Whether it's basketball, football, hockey, golf, you name it, is when a student athlete thinks about their coach 10, 15 years down the road and the, and the, the values that they learned from that coach and how they apply to them in life now. Yep. Yep. So, so that, that's pretty special. That's awesome. So, we're going to take a break. This is Jeff Kopak. This is a golf show. When we come back, Chris, you have a little time to, to finish this up? Yeah, awesome. Absolutely. Awesome. We'll be right back with Chris Croach right after this. You gotta get up in the morning and head out to the practice range. Get up in the morning, head out to the practice range. And we're back. This is the golf show with Jeff Kopak. 
Brought to you statewide on 740 The Fan, the fifth largest AM signal in the country. Podcast at www.740thefan.com. Just look at the podcast tab. Chris Croach is the new head women's golf coach at the University of North Dakota. Kind of have to take a few more minutes this morning. Uh, Chris, there's one thing you never had to do when you're teaching at the Fargo Country Club or, or Rose Creek or wherever is is NCA rules and recruiting. So how is that? How is that manual going? Um, it's big, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and there's lots of stuff in it. So um, you know, I'm I'm lucky here that I have uh, a good support team mm-hmm. uh, with our compliance department that is going to help me navigate all of that and and learn how I can uh, go out and recruit mm-hmm. according to you know, the rules that the NCAA has uh, set up for us. Okay. Um, it, it, is it a lot? I mean, I know it's a lot, but it, it, did anything surprise you, I guess, is, is a better question. Well, you know, to, to be honest with you, my first meeting is tomorrow. So okay. All right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn more about that mm-hmm. um, and uh, what I can do then. But, yeah, I mean, you know, okay, so I do have some background, like, from my time at yeah. NDS. Oh, you did recruit you know, there. Okay. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and, and there's, there's a lot, you know, I mean, there's, there's certain, you know, contact periods and, and dead periods and, um, you know, things like that where I can talk to players and where I can't talk to players. So it, it's, um, uh, but then also how do I evaluate players, mm-hmm. um, to determine, you know, whether, uh, this person one has the skill set to be able to play division one golf in the direction that we want the program to to go. Um, but, uh, there's a, a number of things there. So mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's intimidating, but you know what, there's lots of coaches out there that, that learn to navigate it. And again, I have a great support team with the compliance department here at UND that will help me through all that. So what's the recruiting area? Where do you, where do you plan on going? Upper Midwest kids, I would imagine would be a, a good starting point. What are your thoughts on, on the footprint here? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think it's important to put a lot of emphasis on local, mm-hmm. you know, um, because, you know, the, the athletes that we have who can stay local and come and play um, are probably eventually someday going to stay local um, and then be supporters of the school even after their time is gone um, or ended. You know, so so number one for me is, is local, but but I mean definitely, I mean I want to keep my eyes open regionally as well. You know, I mean mm-hmm. there's there's a huge pool of great talent in Minnesota, um, and I'd like to not let that get away. Right. You know, right. Um, but but you know there's there's great development programs too. You know, like with um, you know Scott Dirk, Chris Foley, and their academies in. Uh, Minnesota, but also, you know, the Sanford Park Golf Academy down in Sioux Falls, which also has a footprint here in Fargo too, um, that they are doing great things to develop golfers. And, um, you know, I, I one, want to keep my eyes open regionally, but, but I'm also not going to limit myself to, you know, we, we have a couple of uh, really great players um, playing here at UND, Emerson Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's from the Washington area. Um, uh, Aaron Johnson, she's from down in um, 
Southern California. Yep. And then we have a new girl, Gigi Lund, I believe her name is, and I think she comes from Arizona. Okay. Um, again, I'm still learning all of this. And, <laughs> um, and so, I mean, you know, we, we have a pretty broad spectrum here. Yep. Uh, at UND currently. And, you know, if, if there's an opportunity that someone might be a really good fit, uh, they have the skills to play, but but they also have the, you know, want to come to North Dakota because uh, someone really has to want to come here. Right. Um, because our winters can be a little challenging. Um, that is, I, I'm going to keep my eyes open. Right. So. Okay, these recruits, a lot of them will be coming up to UND with uh, and current year players have their have their own swing coaches. They have their own club pros. You're proficient in teaching the swing. How do you balance that, Chris? Yeah, so uh, here's always my philosophy is relationships first, right? Just the culture piece. And I don't want to get in the rela- in the way of the relationships that our current players already have with the coach. Mm-hmm. Um, and in our meetings that we've already had with them, um, I've told them that, that I want them to think of me as a resource. Okay. okay? Um, and if you have questions, issues, things like that, I am absolutely here to help. Um, but I would like to know what they're doing with their swing coaches um, because obviously I have, you know, my thoughts on things. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, it, it's about the relationship. And, and these players are probably coming from coaches who they've probably been working with. You know, they get here and they're 18 years old. They might have been working with their coach for 8 to 10 years. Oh, old, right? yeah. Oh, for sure. You know, so... Again, I, I want to be a resource, um, and I want to help, uh, and I want them to continue their relationship, and and hopefully grow that relationship. Oh, 100 percent. And when when you, I mean, I guess you sometimes you might have to restrain yourself on the course. You know what I mean? If you see something, and you know, okay, maybe we'll just discuss that after the round or something like that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, I've kind of always. Taking the you know th- this comes from me in, in the players' side of things, right? Is is when I, I know what it's like to be on the golf course, mm-hmm. you know, and I know what it's like to be in the moment when it's time to perform, and and you know what's going on in the golf swing, and you know what's going on performance-wise. Those are two very separate entities, um, and I, I really don't believe on the golf course is the time to take care of something that's going on with the swing, right? Yep. I mean, yep. Uh, hopefully, I mean, what, what my philosophy as far as training is goes is that, that we just, we train hard enough so that we know how to react when things aren't firing on all cylinders. I mean, if, if you think of it, right, I mean, you're only going to have your best stuff 20% of the time. Yep. Yep. Right. So it's like, you have to be able to rely on your skills other skills, whether it's your short game, your putting, your course management, course strategy, to to be able to get you through those moments because eighty percent of the time you're not going to have your best stuff. Right. A couple of minutes left with so, Chris Croach, the new women's head golf coach at the University of North Dakota. Are you going to keep playing? Can you keep playing? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So you know, the last couple of years, I have not played much. The last couple of years. Okay. Um, and that, and that has been. Uh, intentional on my part, um, you know, with a seven-year-old, eleven-year-old, and a wife that's very busy at work, 
Um, I've decided to prioritize my time in other areas, um, and that has been family's number one. Okay. So, um, but definitely, you know what? I still feel that competitiveness inside myself, mm-hmm. um, which is why I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. Um, and and it, it's going to be a challenge, you know? But uh, definitely, I mean, I, I want to continue to play in practice, but that is probably fourth or fifth uh, on my list of importance right now. I, I've been fortunate uh, over the years. I've played a lot. I've competed a lot. Um, and and I'm kind of okay taking a step back right now. Okay. How are the facilities at UND? Do you have what you need? Do you need to improve that? And where are you sitting there? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I think... Um, always improve facilities, you know? Um, now we, we have access to the Grand Forks Country Club, mm-hmm. Kings Walk, Ray Richards. Um, and I, I think we might have an opportunity to be able to play at Valley Golf Course a little bit too. So, I mean, we're, we're going to have some great opportunities and great facilities. Um, obviously all the golf courses have, you know, great putting, chipping, right. driving ranges. Um, but but I, I'm really looking forward to getting the girls out to Grand Forks Country Club. Uh, as much as we're able to, um, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is such a wonderful golf course um, that really gets overlooked. I mean, the the creativity it takes to be able to play those greens um, is remarkable. Um, I, I don't know that there's a golf course around that has greens that are more sloped than those. Really, mm-hmm. um, and if you can learn to navigate that, you can play anywhere. Yeah. Chris, best of luck. Uh, don't be a stranger, and uh, we'll be uh, keeping tabs on what you're doing at the UND uh, women's program. That's, uh, that's good stuff. Thanks, Jeff, and go Thanks. Hawks. Thanks. That's right. That's Chris Croach. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show. We'll be back right after this. Did you hit it twice? Did you hit it twice? Welcome back. This is the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak on 740 The Fan, 107.3 on the FM dial. 740thefan.com is the web address. Thanks again for Chris Croach for joining us on the first half of the show. It's good to see NDSU and UND putting resources and making an effort to really make their golf program successful. NDSU's been really good lately, and UND is obviously following suit in what it's going to do and what it has plans to do. So good luck with Chris. Great guy, great teacher, and I'm sure he's going to do just fine up north. You know, I've had a lot of a lot of people on this show over the course of 18, 19, 20 years. I've had players, parents, I've had pros, I've had amateurs, I've had high school kids, I've had Mr. and Miss Golf, I've had equipment guys and gals, course superintendents, other sports writers. Jack Michaels once in a while, and I've had, actually had other golf show hosts. However, I'm breaking ground today. I've never had a professional volunteer, <laughs> and pleased to be joined in studio by Robin Slavic. Who, Robin, you are a professional volunteer in the in the world of professional golf. Well, it's more than just professional. I do college and also at the junior level. Okay. So how'd you, how'd you get involved? First of all, let's uh, let's rewind here and 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 start from step one. Well, I retired in the end of 2012, and in 2013, I just kind of laid low, did nothing. Um, I'm a big fan of golf. I'm not the best golfer, but I try and do as <laughs> best as I can. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I got involved with 
volunteering at First Tee. I go away for the winter in Phoenix. Oh, good for you. And so yeah. I'm fortunate enough, um, I decided to, because I watch a lot of golf on TV, and they said they always talk about the website. So you go out to the websites for the tournament and look for, there's a volunteers tab, mm-hmm. and you sign up there. And um, they're always looking for volunteers. Yep. And I put my name in there, and um, my first career or first volunteer opportunity was a marshal at the Founders Cup, which is an LPGA event. Mm-hmm. And um, Amy Olson was there that year also. And um, so it, as a marshal, you're just pretty much standing at holding the quiet side. But uh, they found that I could track the golf balls from the drives. So I was on the hole where we were measuring all the drives for the ladies. So you, you have good eyesight. I mean, you're <laughs> well, gifted with eyesight. That's well, pretty sharp. Anybody that's a hunter. <laughs> okay, there you go. Yeah, You got pretty good eyesight. Yep. So I was measuring the drives for the ladies uh, for all four days. And... Um, I was surprised how well some of these ladies do. Mm-hmm. They were hitting drives 260, 270. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them are tiny and small or short. And where they get their distance from is unbelievable. Um, and a couple of years later, I actually got to walk, started walking with the ladies. But uh, Carlotta Segunda mm-hmm. actually can drive the ball on average 300 yards. Yeah. And um, she's probably my height. Well, a little taller than I am. She's like 5'7". Yep. Yep. And she can drive the ball. It's incredible. Um, so, you know, I'm going to interrupt you there, there one second. Um, just on that note on, on, on LPGA players and driving the ball, a week ago I was at the U.S. Women's Open at Pebble Beach. And that's one thing that struck me as I'm watching all these players tee off, that they're they're down the middle all the time. I mean, yep. you just expect it. And every once in a while, somebody will go astray into the rough or something, and, you, and it almost takes you by shock. Like, wow, what happened? It's just amazing how accurate they are. They are very accurate. Uh, the ladies are, as I was coaching first tee, I said, you know, I tell my kids that you don't have to grip it and rip it. Mm-hmm. Grab the club, and you really want to focus on hitting the sweet spot. And that ball will carry longer than you ever think about because the ladies, they don't swing hard. But yet they focus on hitting that sweet spot. Um there's a certain sound to it, you know what there's I mean? There's a certain yeah. sound to it, and they're just incredible how well they are. And you're right. They're very accurate. They never go more than 10 yards off the fairway Yeah. if they do go straight at anything else. Yep. So it's incredible how well they are. Um, a lot of the Asian players, they start off playing golf at age four. Mm-hmm. And I've been told whether this is true or not. They have to decide if they want to play golf as a profession or not to get to play ever again. <laughs> so they have some choices could when they're be. young. Yep, yep. So. It could be. I mean, there's a, like, South Korea puts resources into into its golf. Yes. I mean, I, I think of these players come over and they're well-funded. Very well-funded. So they don't you don't have to really worry about making a paycheck, and that makes a difference. It does. It does. Um, but getting back to the yeah. volunteering like I said, I've worked in several different areas. I've done security at the Phoenix Open. Mm-hmm. I've done uh, distribution, which is actually filling the coolers, distributing programs, things throughout the tournament. Um, I've done standard barrier, which is carrying the sign. Uh, that was the step before me becoming an actual walking so, scorer. Uh, yeah, are there there's steps or there's levels that you can, uh, assume, you know, 
um, move up in, in rank, so to speak, in volunteering? It's not so much that as is that you go to the volunteers page and then you get three choices of what you want to do. Okay. Um, if there's a if the committee you want to get to is not there, that means that committee's full. Mm-hmm. So I've always started off like I says I started with the standard bearer because that was plenty of availability except for certain tournaments, and then I moved into walking score because. I enjoy being around it, and um, Mm -hmm. it's one of those things when you're a walking scorer, it's kind of the treasured position, because you're actually with the players, but... Yeah, you introduce yourself, uh, I noticed, at the first tee, and the players introduce it, yep, Yep. yep, you're part of that. And typically, most tournaments will ask you to come back, Yeah, especially if you do a good job. The PGA Tour, um, they give you a report card after each round on how well the scorer did itself. Hmm. There's a lot of information that the score is capturing. Um, the PGA is pretty much everything's real time. They want to make sure the public knows everything that's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus, on the PGA, the walking scorer controls the betting for the players in that group. Mm-hmm. Whether they're going to, what they're betting on, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. I can only venture my yeah. guess. But once I have identified the player is up to play then that triggers a lot of things within the system Hmm. it also tells um on the pga tour on every hole there's a laser pointer that actually tracks the distance of the golf balls everything else so once i've identified that the player is up that tells everybody else along the whole fairway in the hole that this player is up and get ready And, and so once i mark them as getting up then I have to mark them as addressing the ball, saying they're ready to hit. That means all betting stops. Hmm. And then I have to mark when they hit the shot, and that actually triggers the cameras actually to start shooting and, and lasering. No kidding. And it's very technical. Yeah. Um, back in 2019, I think, I did the Women's PGA Championship in Hazeltine. Mm-hmm. And um, they found out I had a technical career, so I actually ended up being on the technology committee <laughs> for that tournament. Didn't get to see any golf, yeah. But I was in the process of fixing laptops, cameras. Um, each walking scorer has a radio. Yep. Same with all the uh, captains; they also have radios. So if a radio quits, I have to go fix it or whatever. And uh, so it was a fun being there. That's interesting. Didn't yeah. get to see any golf. Yeah, professional volunteer Robin Slavic joins us. This is the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak coming to you on 740 The Fan. The show brought to you by Michelob Ultra coming to you from the Gunderson Jewelers studio. So that laser pointer, because I'll watch the app, I'll see Tom Hoagie up, mm-hmm. and then you see the shot. I mean, it doesn't happen by accident. No. So it's all triggered by the laser. And, and be, detail that a little bit, because you. Once you you laser the ball or the player and and then the player and then the ball. Well, actually, there are people in the fairway that actually have a laser, and what happens is when I mark the shot as hit, then they know that when the ball lands, then they're up. Then they're up okay. to actually point the laser at the ball if they can see it. Otherwise, they got to send someone out there to stand by there and they laser that person. So that's how they know the distance. Okay, after that. Once they've done in the, got to the landing area, mm-hmm. 
then the next step is for me to do my thing as far as where they're going to hit from, if they're hitting from the fairway, the sand, or everything, anything else. Okay. Then, so you mark that on, on your – you have an app where you just uh, – has a course layout and you just mark it with a like a pen or whatever. Uh, well, it's not even that. It's, it's a list of okay. things. They, they, we list out the uh, fairway, rough, deep rough, first cut, uh, hmm. native – there's about nine different things that we can choose from. Yep. And essentially what happens on the PGA Tour, the laser people already have identified that I have to verify that. Okay. That their next shot is going to be hit from first cut. Okay. Once I, when the next process starts again is that when they're up, I mark it as this player's up. Then that cues the people around the green, if it's on a par four, to be ready. Hmm. So... We go through the same process. They address the ball, betting stops. Yep. They hit the ball, so I marked it as shot hit. And then when it gets on the green, there's two people next to the green that have two iPads. And what they do is they actually, some of the greens have actual cameras that pick it out. But really, it's mostly it's the people that point to where the cam- where the ball where they think the ball is, and that's why how a ball is marked. A putt of thirty foot, thirty feet six inches. Correct. Huh. Correct. That's interesting. So it's, I mean, they've got some cameras that actually map out the whole green. Yep. Um, I don't know if they're ever going to get away from that or go to that entirely, but somehow you have to identify when this ball goes to Tom Hoagie yeah. or, or whoever. Right. So we're going to take a short break. Robin Slavic is the guest. This is Jeff Kopak. This is the Golf Show. Coming to you from 740 The Fan statewide in the upper Midwest. We're back after this. Welcome back. This is the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kopak coming to you from the Gunnarsson Jewelers Studio. The show, as always, presented by Michelob Alter. Robin Slavic is the guest, a professional volunteer on the PGA and LPGA tours and and other endeavors in golf. And we we're talking off air. It's not it's not exactly volunteering all the time. You actually it comes out of your pocket a little bit too. It does. Um, the only tournament I have not had to pay for is the Phoenix Open because the Thunderbirds, which is the charitable organization, mm-hmm. raises so much money. Yeah. That they pretty much cover the cost of everything. What your volunteer fee covers or is for is like for the 3M Open coming up in two weeks. Mm-hmm. I think that fee was $80. $80 to volunteer. To volunteer. <laughs> but that covers my shirt. It yep. covers my cap. It covers all my meals for the week. Yeah, they have uh, the meals. Or I know at the U.S. Women's Open, they, they fed them. They yep. fed the volunteers very well. And then we have to park in Minneapolis at the Blaine High School. And then they bus us in mm-hmm. to the golf course. So... Uh, you got to pay for the bus drivers. You got to pay for the buses, yeah. and so that's kind of what the volunteer fee is for. What I've been told. You, you and I have something in common this year. In fact, the, that we both attended the Waste Management Phoenix Open. Yep. I was on fortunate to have a, a bucket list event. I was on hole sixteen, which uh, obviously <laughs> was the massive party, and you were there. And I think you were the witness to the. I didn't see this, and I think, I'm glad I didn't. What the streaker running down what 18 <laughs> fairway or something? Yes, I was there. Um, actually, it's not the first time it's happened to me. I was uh, <laughs> back in 20. 
2016, yeah, 2016, no, 2017, mm-hmm. same thing happened. It was on the 17th green again, same <laughs> one. Um, but this time I was with, I can't remember who my group was, but I could hear this roar and I thought, oh, somebody got a hole in one again. I turned around and looked out and here's this guy coming all the way down <laughs> number 17 fairway. Buck naked. Jeez. Pretty close. Yeah. Pretty close. Um, he had four policemen chasing him, and I originally thought I was going to try and tackle him, and I thought, nope, I'm not even getting near him. <laughs> that's, a, that's not part of the volunteer contract. No, it's yeah. not. Um, and the interesting part was uh, I found out on the news afterwards if he had been completely stark naked, he would have to register as a sex offender. Hmm. But since he had a Speedo on... <laughs> He got away with it. Yeah, maybe you know he knew something there. <laughs> what's what's it been like with the players? I mean, what's the relationship been? Do you do you get to know them at all over the course of a round? How does that go? The PGA Tour is the players are very gracious. They'll introduce themselves. Ninety nine percent of them will. Mm-hmm. A couple of them won't. Um, Champions Tour, they're oh, they're fantastic, aren't they're they? They're fantastic. Yep. I carried on a whole conversation probably on the front nine with Jay Haas one time. Yeah. He wanted to know where I was from, what I had done in my previous life as far as working everything else, and, and just he wanted to know more a little bit about North Dakota and things like that. The events that I really enjoy volunteering with are the ladies. Mm-hmm. The LPG ladies, they are above everybody else. They actually will go out of the way to thank all the volunteers no matter where they're at as far as appreciating them volunteering. They will take times to take a picture with you after the round is done. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was with Lydia Cole one time, and I was we just finished our round that came through, and I let her, she was ahead of me, and some gentleman came up uh, with full military, and he asked her if she could have a picture, if he could have a picture, and he mm-hmm. said, she said, sure. And she thanked him for his service. She mm-hmm. took the picture, and then she autographed a base, um, golf ball for him. Yeah. So very kind. And she's not even American. Yeah. I so. saw that at the at the women's open where the, uh, the the players always gave the volunteers gifts. I don't know if it was a golf ball or something, but they were always giving them something and, and saying thanks and all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, for the walking scores, not everybody, most of the time you can get an autographed golf ball. I probably have, well, I'm on my second display case. Each case holds 80 oh, I saw that on WDAY, yeah. Yep. That's, that's and it's not all of them, but some of them do. Yeah. I've had autographed gloves. Um, trying to think what else I have. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's nice. It's an appreciation thing. The Champions Tour, I think, they're so good because a lot of them, it's not so intense like it is in the PGA Tour. I think a lot of them made it in life. They're 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 later. They're older. They appreciate just being on the course, being able to walk eighteen holes, mm-hmm. the basics. So is that your in, your your sense that these guys just are a little more um, relaxed? I think on the course. I can't remember if it was Jay Haas or David Frost mm-hmm. told me one time. He said, "You know, we love the golf game so much." And we want to continue to play. It's not about the money, but it's about continuing to play, like you said. Mm-hmm. I can still walk the course. A uh, few of them don't walk because, well, like John Daly, he can't because of his health. Mm-hmm. And he is an exception to get to ride the course or ride the cart. But most of them just truly love the game. Yeah. And uh, it is fun to be around, especially the Champions Tour. 
to get tickets is very reasonable, and some tournaments you get in free. Yeah, yeah. So, and those guys play just as well as some of the the professionals. Yeah, they're not hitting drives three twenty, three forty, but they're still hitting some drives that are almost three hundred. A few minutes left with Robin Slavic, professional volunteer and uh, professional golf world. Is there a favorite course out there for you? Oh gosh, well I've been fortunate. Courses. Yeah. I've the one I really want to do, and I don't know if I'll ever get to, is Augusta. Okay, have you, you put in, or how do they do their volunteers? It's the same as everybody else. Okay, um, but it's one of those things that when you volunteer for that tournament, mm-hmm. once you say you can't make it next year. You get back on the waiting list and wait. Forget it. Forget bye bye. Right. Yep. yep. And the Phoenix Open is the same way for the walking scores that once you get on the list, you're on the course with them. And there's a progression as far as getting to the weekend because you always get the first three days. Mm-hmm. You get the pro am in the first two days of competition. And if you stick around around long enough and are good enough, you get to stay for the weekend tournament also. So the walking score at the Phoenix uh, Waste Management Open, when you go into 16, which is an enclosed stadium, is it as loud when you're down there with the players as it seems like when we were in the stands? What's that? What, what's the what's the mayhem like from from ground level? Oh, it's very noisy. Yeah, very noisy. Even during their backswing. Oh yeah, yeah. They don't care. No. Yeah. Uh, what, what have you seen? The players they they just accept it. I obviously. I mean, most of them are very good about accepting it. Um, with Tony Finau, he's the one that encourages more noise. Yeah, it's it's fun to watch him play. Yeah, I mean he's a he's a great guy. He's just really a lot of fun. In fact, I saw him when he hit his shot. It came within a couple inches of, of an ace. Yep. And everybody's getting ready to throw their beer out on the on, <laughs> you know out on the and then he walks up and before he taps it in, he's waving his arms up like, "Come on, let's hear you, let's hear you." <laughs> yep. So, There's a few of them that way. Keegan Bradley is the one that uh, doesn't like the noise. Yeah. He absolutely refuses. He hates that that hole. Yep. Um, but he's a competitor. He wants to compete, and he wants to do well. Mm-hmm. Is there yeah. a player you just never liked? <laughs> well, that's probably one of them is Keegan. Okay. <laughs> he's, the, the hard part with Keegan is because we have to be so precise about entering mm-hmm. things on time. Keegan, he'll actually approach the ball and then back out, or he'll walk behind the ball and then come up again. So you, you can't figure out when he's said, I've addressed the ball. Yeah. Yep. And that's, the timing is very important. Yep. Robin, we're running out of time. Appreciate your thoughts. We could sit here all day and talk golf, man. And, <laughs> and uh, let's maybe play around. I'd like to hear some more stories. So It'd be great. Appreciate your time. Thanks. That's Robin Slavik. He's a professional volunteer. That'll do it for this edition of the Golf Show. This is Jeff Kobach. Again, thanks to Chris Croach at the beginning of the hour. Until next week, hit him straight.